This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. Hello listeners, this is Carl uh, with a quick pre-show note. This is a little bit of a odd episode for us. It's more of just a discussion about the keep on the borderlands and how to run it. And uh, because of that, this has a lot of spoilers for Keep on the Borderlands, especially if you're playing in Crispy's game. So if you're one of Crispy's players, you should stop listening right now. Also, I want to forewarn you, uh, for whatever reason, we uh, our jokes are a little more adult uh, in this episode. Probably not even PG-13, but if you do listen to this show with young kids, you may want to listen to it before they listen to it. Probably not even anything you wouldn't hear on a modern sitcom. Thank you so much for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome to the D&D World. Meet you by the art room door In a circle on the hallway floor I made up a new map last night It's got a dragon and a wizard fight The cold open was going to be all about how I had just gone over everything that would be great in a cold open, but we weren't recording at that time. But this isn't the cold open podcast. This is the worst cold open. (laughs) What is going on? I don't know. What does go into a cold open? I don't know. Nothing. Just like a... You know, just like a like a conversation, you know, like a snippet of like a little chit chat. Yeah. Like I always I always tried to like have it be like you're like coming into like a friend's conversation, you know, like have that like that like we are we're already in the process of talking about, you know, nerd stuff. And then like, hey, welcome, listener. (laughs) Here's our show. It's really astounding astounding that there's never been like a beer commercial that just starts like a sitcom starting and then someone cracks a beer and they're like, now that's a cold open. (laughs) (laughs) That's really astounding that that hasn't happened. This isn't the bad dad jokes (laughs) podcast. (laughs) It's not. It it definitely is. <laughs> podcast. The podcast about classic Dungeons and Dragons. I'm every, one of your hosts, Crispy. I'm one of your hosts, Carl, and every podcast I'm on is the bad dope. Bad I can't fuck. <laughs> <laughs> is the bad dad jokes podcast. That probably is a podcast. Oh, I hope so. If not, <laughs> let's let's start on that Patreon so we can get paid. <laughs> And I'm your host, Courtney. And, uh, oh man, I feel like I'm going to get crucified for this one. Because, like, alright, so listeners, I've been running Keep on the Borderlands for the last couple weeks. So that's what we're talking about on this episode today. Is uh, We're going to be doing not so much a review, but more of a discussion. A, a revisit of uh, B2 <laughs> Keep on the Borderlands. But, uh... Yeah, this came up really organically because Crispy messaged me and he's had some questions about Keep on the Borderlands. And I was like, let's record it. Yeah, I uh, don't think it's as good as everyone says it is. But also, (gasps) I could see that it is as good. I don't know. Like, I'm just I'm struggling with it. Mm -hmm. I was like, so I'm playing with uh, my two younger brothers who I've never played D&D with. Well, that's not true. I've played D&D with one of them once and I've never played D&D with the other one ever. 
So we have very limited gaming experience together. Uh, unlike like Carl and Courtney, who game with family all the time. That's a, you know what? I also want to have a like mini sub discussion about gaming with family because like I have one brother who's kind of just like a murder hobo, and I don't know how to address it. <laughs> like it's family, you know. Like can't be like uh, we're we're divorced. You're no longer my <laughs> brother. Um, but yeah, like there's so much that I do like about Keep on the Borderlands, but I just don't know how to approach it. And uh, that's kind of what I want to talk about is uh, how to effectively use it, I guess. And I know Courtney's played Keep on the Borderlands with, excuse me, with Carl quite a few times. So, yes, this is actually one that I know I have played in a whole lot. Um, It's, one that Carl's a DM is able to kind of pull out and use parts of whether it's going to be a short game one-off or a longer game. Um, again, as most of you know, my lack of memory helps a whole lot in these sorts of situations because I don't remember what we did the time before typically. But then also I was just going to say, I feel like, the advantage to keep on the borderlands has is, is that there is so much packed in to the different layers of the caves um that you can really kind of modify it and use what areas you need um to make it fit i guess your style of game or maybe just your time frame availability mm-hmm. uh, so so there is there is a whole lot packed into the module. That's all. <laughs> no, I was waiting to see if Carl had anything to say. It's like on paper, I agree with you, but like in practice, I'm having so much trouble. And I've I've like so my one of my favorite modules is X2 Castle Amber. And like if you were to read my PDF of Castle Castle Amber, I have so many like notes for ways I've modified it and like put in my own narrative and stuff like that. And I was trying to do that with with keep on the borderlands and I can't. Like so, I love the keep. The keep is great, but the caves are where I'm having problems. Um so what's uh uh funny about this I'm pretty sure we've played keep on the borderlands. Right? Like uh when you came to Arkansas RPG Con, did I not run Keep on the Borderlands? You did a little bit, but we didn't get to play very much of it. Mm-hmm. Like, it was only, like, a couple hours that I got to play. And I've heard you talk about, like, things you do while playing Keep on the Borderlands. And, like, yeah, it was for your um your basic Castles and Crusades game. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Um, uh, there were some of the... Your BXCC some of the... game. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I've taken it to call it the uh, uh, Castles and Crusades Red Box hack because Castle Crusades have started using Classic for one of their product lines, so it's kind. Of... I think you should just double down on the amount of letters. It's just like the CCBX <laughs> RPG TTP and PRPG XYZ. Um, so give me your thoughts on what's what what's wrong with it and what's good about it so i think what's 
my favorite part of Keep on the Borderlands, I think, is the keep itself. Mm-hmm. I love having this like base of operations and like I've gone through and I picked out every NPC and I gave them a name and a personality and I like basically had my my players carouse for the first session and meet a majority of them or like have enough time passed where I was able to give them a handout of um of like who the major players are. So, you know, like the and and I was able to I, I like to tie it to Mistara. Um, so I'm definitely running with like the Castellan keep model of stuff. Um, so like, you know, like the the Castellan is from Thyatia and then like the visiting merchant is from uh, the Emirates of Ilarum. And I was able to just really take these like people and tie them, you know, like some people are from like their Trolladarin and some people are from, you know, Karamikos uh or Thaisha, like that I love having that cast of characters that I was able to flesh out. Um I also like that there's a surrounding area. It's just like I don't know how to get my players to engage with it uh in and you know it might be a group thing, but I, I don't want to just have them like go to the caves. I want them to have a reason to go to the caves. And I've like, you know, I've like, I've given the town a sage who like lives at the guild house. And, you know, there's a, the innkeeper, not the innkeeper, but the, the like tavern master, you know, he's got rumors that they can like investigate. He's got a, a notice board. So as a base of operations, I think it it's great. As an adventuring site, I'm having trouble figuring out how to get them to go to it. Without me just being like, the castle will give you 500 gold pieces if you kill all the goblins. I want it to be more like, like uh, one of our sessions was um, lizardmen were kidnapping, like the, so, you know, there's the lizardmen swamp, which I think is great. Um, the lizardmen had been like, kidnapping um townsfolk from the towns surrounding the keep and like the areas that the keep would would protect um and so they investigated it that way but like that was also a you know that was a here he here he, the castle and will give 500 gold pieces to people to investigate this and i don't want that to be the crutch mhm almost like uh the the help wanted uh, adventure board at the at the tavern. It, it's it's a little too yeah. on the nose, and it's the same thing every time. Um, exactly. Well, I I, think- I want to like bury like one of the the notices is that like someone's ancestral sword was lost in the orc cavern portion of it, um, and that like you know. He just wants it to not fall into the hands of the orcs, and if they go and rescue it, it's theirs, and it, you know, it's like a plus one sword. But they're not biting. Well, I mean, so so I don't know if you heard Courtney's solution, but I think it was a pretty solid one. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Wait, what? <laughs> Did you not say gold? Oh yeah, but then he said, but then he said, like, I don't want. 
Like I get well, but, Crispy's point. He doesn't want to just say like go for gold. Like Well, but he was saying he didn't want the castle to just say, I'll reward you to do this. But what you're saying is different. You're saying there's treasure in the caves. So why would yeah, you not want right. to go get the treasure in the caves? But I also like things like Christy was saying to like there's a problem to solve. Like mm-hmm. people are being kidnapped or somebody lost something and you're going to find it or somebody left and never came back and you're going to try and find them. Um, yeah. I've been peppering that in. Like my narrative for the caves is that like, this is like the last truck stop at the edge of the world where people are being called by the forces of chaos to go to the caves and join. So like lots and lots of people come to the keep uh, mm-hmm. as their stop to like, before they go to the caves and a lot of them, never return because they are they're being called by like an evil malevolent force and they they join the forces of chaos so i've been trying to pepper like hey there's probably like a lot of cool stuff you know like but i I don't know maybe i'm being too subtle and that's my whole problem well carl you can probably elaborate if this is even the same module um, didn't we go looking for an adventure that never came back, but specifically like a locket? Mm-hmm. That is a conceit I use. So when I run, um, uh, uh, keep on the borderlands and I, you gotta, so one thing is whether a module is, is really good or really not is a super subjective thing. And I will mm-hmm. fully admit some of my, best RPG experiences I've ever had have been with B2. Uh, and that's just because I've run it a lot. You know, if I if I ran X2 a whole lot, it would be my favorite module. If I ran uh, B1 a whole lot, it would be my favorite module because I just, I, those experiences generated from play. It wasn't necessarily the module that created them. So a mm-hmm. lot of my nostalgia or love for this module is probably the same as a lot of people's love and nostalgia for this module. And it isn't inherent in the quality of the module, even though I do think it has quality uh, it's inherent from the shared experiences of play. And that builds upon itself because those stories get mixed in with other people's stories. And you can hear about how other people ran B2 and what happened in their games. And I think that's part of the, the magic of modules is, mm-hmm. is to hear about, other people's expedition to the barrier peaks or other people's in search of the unknown, their experience with those things and comparing to your own. Um, Yeah. And that's what I'm looking for. Like that's, that's what I ultimately want to deliver as an experience is Mm -hmm. for them to be able to like participate in that kind of cultural zeitgeist of, yeah, I went to the keep on the borderlands Mm -hmm. and like we did this and that. And like, (sighs) I want that man. (laughs) So, so one thing I do when I run uh, Keep on the Borderlands, and this actually is something I started doing uh, uh, when we did the fifth edition playtest, and it was Courtney and I and and some friends of ours, uh, and it's one of my fondest memories. We we spent the weekend at their house and kind of just hung out and cooked food and played D and D, and. uh, we were doing the fifth edition playtest, though I kind of realized halfway through I was just running it like Castles and Crusades because they weren't mm-hmm. that different. Um, 
And, uh, I, I started peppering in things like I started outside of the keep, not like they had just arrived and the guard was saying, tell me why you're here, which is how the module tells you to start. They were on the road on the way and they had met on the road. So they had mm-hmm. all just met. They were all going to the same place. And I let them kind of run into some encounters. And one of those encounters was a uh, widow who was coming back from the keep and, and her husband went out to adventure in the in the caves of chaos and never came back. And so she asks uh, them to look for this locket that was dear to her and return it to her. Uh, and so immediately they have a hook like, oh, well, we want to go to the caves of chaos for gold and loot, but we also want to help this nice lady who was nice to us on the road here. Um, that doesn't affect everybody, but it, it, it worked in this circumstance. Um, they also met a guy who had lost an arm in the caves of chaos. And, uh, uh, I think I've also met the armless man. Yeah. I think, I think the armless guy showed up in your, uh, in your game with me. So these are things that I kind of have in my, my back pocket that I pull out depending on who I'm running and, uh, uh, making sure that I (laughs) don't duplicate them. Um, but some other stuff that I've done is, uh, I make there be sort of a, a thieves guild in the area and I make some mm-hmm. of the city guard, the keep watch in on it. Um, and uh, I tie that to where rats and there's like a sewer system underneath the keep and that's where the where rats are. Uh, yeah. So, so it just gives more uh, uh, stuff for it to happen in the keep instead of all of it happening in the case of chaos. Now, that being said, I agree with you. I think the keep is the reason why this module is so well liked. I think without the keep, if it was just the case of chaos, I don't think anybody would be as fond of this module as they are. I think the keep yeah. itself is what really makes this work and gives you that adventuring starting point that kind of makes sense, has some logic to it. Um, one thing I do is I make the keep an impassable thing. It's like the wall in Game of Thrones. It is. Yeah, I'm also doing that like uh, for. So essentially, there's the caves of chaos are the encampment for the forces of chaos where the, you know, the shrine of evil chaos is. And they are constantly assaulting the keep. And the keep is Mm -hmm. like the last bastion. Mm hmm. Um, that was something and, I also picked up on, because if you look at where they're sorry to like keep interrupting, if you look at how they're situated geographically, like the keep has one road that goes to it. It's up on a sheer cliff after that. And then the caves are in a ravine. So there's only one way into either one of them. What you can do with that and what I've done is is I've had uh, 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 tolls you have to pay to get in and out. And it's essentially... Not necessarily tolls. What I do is I actually tax treasure that's coming mm-hmm. back into the keep. And that's how the keep kind of pays for itself is when the people go out and adventure and and, and fight these monsters and reclaim the treasure uh, and come back to the keep. Uh, uh, that's when they get taxed on the treasure they brought back to the keep. Um, but then you can pepper in some secret ways in and out uh, tunnels and stuff to get from from the, the inhabited lands to the kind of the wastelands, the, the caves of chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing you can do, and I really suggest doing this for people who have kind of a, 
a problem with the structure of the caves of chaos as they are is you can just take any of those caves and separate them out. And instead of envisioning it as there's these caves of chaos over here and it's just this one giant monolith of all these different monsters and they all live there next door to each other. You can say northwest there's the kobolds and straight north are the orc caves and and the kind of have the lay of the land of what is a blasted wasteland beyond the keep. Hmm. And I really makes, like that idea, actually. It makes it happen in more manageable chunks to where you can like, well, let's try the cobalt caves and see what happens. And you can keep the ogre with the goblins and uh, have that play out that way. And um, sort of have this be a, a choose your path how dangerous do you want to go and, and uh, let them kind of, I mean, they can kind of have an idea of what is more or less dangerous based off of the experience level of the party. If, yeah. even if the players don't know, there's nothing wrong with saying you as your character would know uh, that the hobgoblins are going to be a, a tougher challenge than the kobolds. Um, I, um, I kind of have, I've gaffed already in my game, which is also something that's been, causing me to have less enjoyment is uh, one of the, the hear ye, hear ye adventure notice board quests was uh, it sent them into the shunned cavern. That's the uh, cavern with the grazes and the owlbear. And that's the one they latched on to. And they are mm-hmm. level one. And I mm-hmm. like, I've killed them already with it. Um, <laughs> not the owlbear, but they, uh, they entered into the Shun Cavern. You know, it was it was pitch black. They had a light source, and they happened upon a room that had a random encounter of uh, some acolytes that were hidden in darkness and uh, killed them with slings, essentially. So, like, the next session is going to be uh, them recruiting hirelings. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's just... I feel like I've been off to a bad start, which sucks, because I have had good experiences... Running keep on the Borderlands, specifically the fifth edition playtest. Like it was like the first playtest packet, and I was running it for them, and it was great. It was such a good time. Like the caves was a fun experience. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I I, I feel like a failure. It sucks. <laughs> you know, I mean, just just keep in mind that that uh, you can give them opportunities to get information before they ever get there. I, in my mind, this has become sort of this gold rush thing where adventurers are swarming to the keep just for the chance of getting rich in the caves mm-hmm. of chaos. So when they, um, when they get there or even, you know, they're already there, they can run into other adventurers and kind of share reconnaissance. Another adventurer might say, Oh, I went to that shunned cavern. That's bad news. Let me tell you what we saw. Boom, boom, boom. Ooh, uh, that's a really good idea. I think uh, I'm going to do that. Uh, uh, you should go to this cave instead. It's a lot less likely to uh, eat you for breakfast. Yeah. And um, uh, so you can kind of create this uh, uh, atmosphere of camaraderie and mm-hmm. rivalry among the different adventurers that are at the keep with them. Um, yeah. And and by doing that, that really solidifies the the nature of of what everybody's doing there. And they could latch onto that and say, well, that's why we're here. We're here to kind of get rich or die trying. And then you can kind of pepper in more of the, the uh, 
task type quests where somebody didn't come back from the, from the caves of chaos and they need help. And you can make there be a, a larger um, situation with the cult. I ran um, keep on the borderland uh, for like eight plus hours at uh, NEA game fest, not 2020, but 2019. And it was a fantastic experience because I had two people sit down who were like, I guess we'll try D and D we've never played before. And they did not leave for the eight hour period. They were, they were like, well, we can play these board games anytime we have these board games. This is, mm-hmm. this is our chance to play D and D. And so like, it was just wild for people to just like on a whim, try D and D and then like get invested and play for eight hours. And, yeah. uh, uh, we ended up eventually, um, at the uh, the cultist cave, and um, uh, kind of tied that into some stuff that happened earlier in the game, and made it a big plot point. And they they um, uh, I believe it even kind of hints at it in the in the uh, adventure. There's like a, a grotesque idol that I believe the bugbears have, mm-hmm. and I made that grotesque idol belong to the cultists. And so they destroyed the idol at the cultist's cave. Uh, you know, mm. one thing you can do is have the cultists be the reason the Cave of Chaos exists. They're pulling all these monsters to the Cave of yeah, Chaos for some nefarious That's kind of what I'm doing. Like, I, I invented, like, a, uh, a like, grand villain. Because there's not really, like, it's not really, a, from what I could tell, a villain to the Caves of Chaos. Like, it's just kind of factions. So I've I've got a mastermind who is pulling the strings. I'm setting up the um, the evil priest in the keep. Like I just we're on session three, and I I just have um sort of like through thrown him into things, and uh, he's probably going to be one of the adventurers that they hire. And I want I I want to try to Emperor Palpatine one of my players. But I would avoid um, having the evil priest be a big bad, though. He's not the big bad. Okay, the big okay. bad is like a reskinned. He's basically going to be an, an evil elf um, okay. that is like Loki, maybe a vampire, but not really okay. like narratively he's, a vampire, but not like mechanically a vampire. He's just so easy to to to, to find out and kill. <laughs> he's just not. Gonna, yeah, he's not going to make it if he's the big bad. Um, yeah. No, he's not the big bad. He's just going to betray him at one point. So here's what I did well, with that priest. Uh, he offered to adventure with them, as he does. And when he did that, I handed a non-player character sheet to one of my players and say, you control the character. And everything he did, that character uh, uh, chose for him to do, he did. He fought monsters, he went with them, and whatever. And then the moment he says, okay, can this cleric heal light wounds on X, you know, on, on, on the Zareth the Brave? Sure. But instead, hand me that sheet. He does cause harm. And it was a mind flip for everybody there. <laughs> yeah. It was a total like warp of reality. What is actually going on? Um, so, uh, you know, that's just something to do if you really want them to just hate you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's what I was going to do. I was going to, like, really have him uh, 
like help kill goblins and do this and that, and then yeah, but at, the like, trick a to that crucial moment. The trick to that was handing them the character sheet. Okay, like once they That's had really that character thing. sheet, they're like, okay, this is our dude. He's gonna help. You control. You tell me what he does. You get to control his actions. You know, whatever. You know, a, a, a person should just pick one, and they get to they get to control both characters for a little bit. Um, yeah, but like, so I I've set up a big bad. Um, I I have been editing the case, like uh, not the case, but I've been I've been editing the module as I play. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, and like Courtney might have experience with this, but like I. I feel like this module is really light on treasure compared to like my own homebrew. Uh, so like, am I just like giving out too much treasure in my like homemade stuff, or is this module kind of stingy? Oh, I don't know. That would require me to remember what treasure I acquired during a oh game. So uh, I guess I've never really noticed. I feel like most of the time I'm. I end up playing in this one. It is like a one-off and I don't honestly don't I mean, yeah, it's fun to get something cool or find something cool or, but if you're not carrying it over to another player, it's not exciting to me. The one-offs are more fulfilling or um, satisfying when you solve the problem or you return the locket or you um, kind of finish that sort of quest. Whereas if you're playing a campaign, yes, finding the gold or the, magical items is more helpful um for continuation so i don't know you're probably being too generous <laughs> i guess what you said, <laughs> said you're probably not you should give out more gold I, yeah, I Carl, as the dm what do you think I, of like the treasure amount in this module i think it's pretty good i think it's about right uh i mean Honestly, you can actually uh, find where people have made lists of, like, everything you can find in the Caves of Chaos. Um, and it may just be in B2 at all. It, it could mm-hmm. include uh, the wilderness encounters. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think of it as a low treasure module. Um, now, you can always add some treasure, especially if your players are having a hard time and you're just like, well, this has just become a slog. You know, I, I do think this was designed a little bit for large parties or henchmen. I think there are some combat encounters here that uh, would, would take a four person party and just chew them up. Yeah. Could they find um, like a healing potion or some sort of well, yeah, magical definitely. ring if they're all about to die and you don't really want to kill them all? <laughs> I don't want to kill them all. I I killed most of them on accident, and I had to like revive them. Yeah, like I had Secretly. to like I had to change my like because normally I do um I do at zero hit points. You get to make a save. I do like the the basic fantasy uh rule of like if you're brought down to zero hit points, you don't die immediately. You make a death save or a save versus death ray. And if you succeed, you live. But if you fail, you die. But now I'm like, negative hmm, 10 hit points is, is seeming kind of good. I uh, think I'm going to do that because there's only four of them, you know? And I don't yeah. want people to be mad when their characters die. Like, I'm not I'm not in the business of killing characters. I, I Goal mean, to have fun. So, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where you have to set up expectations, and 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 the trick is to me if if characters can die, 
the player has to be able to get back into the action as quickly as possible. Yeah. Like I was going to, for them to hire hirelings, like I was actually going to have them all just roll up a second character and that's their hireling. Well, and that's one of the things you can do with keep on the borderlands where the, with the conceit that there's all these different adventurers at Mm -hmm. the keep going in and out is if a character dies, the next room, they meet another character and, that person just has a character sheet ready or you have pre yeah. ready and like, this is you now. Um, I, I mean, I think that's fine. If people can just get back into the, the game as quickly as possible, I think character death uh, has its stings, but uh, sitting there and not getting to play is worse. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, one thing uh, I do that I think might help with the kind of narrative conceit is I do not frame this as the monsters live over here and every once in a while we go out and kill some of them. Uh, I frame this as this was a war zone. This was a place where humanity failed to fight back these monstrous creatures and these, these woozles and, 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 uh, uh, and, and, uh, uh, the Grimms and, and Gromps, uh, were all beating us back and the, we, we fortified at this keep and were able to hold them off. But everything out there is our destroyed land. Uh, hmm. it, it is human and dwarven and elven territory that the monsters took over. And, and every time that we can fight the monsters back a little bit, it's closer for us to just get back what they destroyed of ours. And, you know, that's just one of my conceits uh, in general is I don't, I don't have it as uh, orcs and these creatures are, are societies or, or cultures or family units at all. So there's no goblin babies. There's no orc babies in my, yeah, my least favorite thing is like, here's a room with, with three orc males and four orc females and seven orc young who do not fight. It's like, man, I don't, I don't want that. Like, I'm just gonna cut all that out. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I they do did too. in the mound of the lizardmen. They did uh, firebomb the warrens and like steal the eggs to sell for a hefty mm. price. So <laughs> you know, like, I feel like lizardmen eggs. That's I don't know why. I feel like that's acceptable, but like murdering kobold babies is not. <laughs> could be unfertilized eggs. It could just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just could be a really good omelet. Um, <laughs> the point being, I, I frame it as completely uh, evil uh, 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 entities that have pushed humanity to this kind of like stalemate where they're holding them off at the keep. Mm-hmm. Um and in fact, um, the whole idea is you go out during the day and get back before it turns night or you're yeah. not going to make it. Because once, once night falls and all the monsters come out from wherever they're hiding, uh, it's totally inhospitable and you will not survive. I really like that idea. It would not be hard for me to do that because I did have to keep get assailed by uh, cultists <laughs> of evil chaos mm-hmm. uh, and like their skeleton army. At the start of the last session. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of already set that precedent. And also, like like I said, it's it's like the last stop of civilization on the frontier. So 
I, I have something similar going. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, I think I've gotten a lot for, like, what to kind of change up and sort of, like, some considerations. I love your, uh, so, like, there is a Thieves Guild as well. I did steal that idea from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, they've got a secret leader who's one of the town NPCs, and I'm just super excited to, if it ever comes up, mm-hmm. um, like, have them get recruited to go, yeah. I don't know, steal. Yeah, like, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I think having those little moments uh, uh, peppered in to the keep makes it feel like a real living place. Uh, yeah. And I think that's really the goal is you're trying to make it feel as as much as like this is a living, breathing place as possible. Um, Do you think that the main component of the module are the caves or the keep in the surrounding lands, which include the caves? I think the keep in the surrounding lands is what sets it apart as a module, uh, you know, of its time, uh, yeah. you know, compared to like B1 which was some dungeon maps and there's a lot of fun to be had in those dungeon maps. But I think the thing that makes B2 such a, a fond thing in people's memories is because the keep has a personality, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that's what I, I look for. I I want, I want an environment when I look at a module. And I mean, that's what uh, B2 delivers. And uh, it doesn't have a narrative, but there's enough there to find a narrative every time you play. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it such a good module for me. I think if there's any criticism of it, it's if you're wanting something that has a sort of arc, there is none. Um, uh, That you could find in something like, I would say even Village of Hamlet has more of an arc than this does. There's no real end goal. There are some caves to explore. You will eventually explore all of them, but they're just kind of haphazard. And and, and uh, one of them seems a lot worse than the others, but you could get there on your first entrance. You know, that could be the mm-hmm. one you decide to go to. Um, so uh, there's no narrative construction. There's nothing going on to kind of discover as far as like the the plot of the villains. I think you could make that work. I think that's kind of the yeah. goal is like, we need to make this, um, uh, 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 uh make sense for why all of these monsters are, or are coalesce in one area. And it could just be that they're monsters and monsters in, in your world stick together. Um, that they, that they are all, uh, uh, extensions of the same evil will, you know, they are, they are servants of the, the white queen or the, or the dark Lord or the, whatever it happens to be in your world. Uh, if there were criticisms, uh, that I would, uh, also put at, at, at keep on the borderlands is it is basically, a a, a dungeon zoo, dungeon slog. Um, yeah. and a lot of, a lot of people, that's not for them. Um, I think separating out the, the, the dungeons into their own separate areas and just making it a blasted wasteland. And like the kobolds are over there and the orcs are over there can do a lot for that. Um, I would, again, I would remove all of the c- civilian nature of their, mm-hmm. of their life. Cause that's just not how I run monsters in my games. And uh, I would make there be a reason why these cultists are out here doing what they're doing. And that be sort of the, the driving force uh, uh, and, and yeah. dis- disrupting the cultists um, it becomes a goal at that point. 
that's essentially what I'm trying to do is like I'm 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 trying to set up the narrative of there being like a malevolent force that is pushing back at the keep and that it is filled with like lost lore and lost treasure and stuff like that. I think like for me, like what I I guess what I envision this is my criticism is what I envision that entailing um, the module out of the box is not like at that same level. Like, you know, I, I'm envisioning grander treasures, you know, um, than I think what is there, but again, it's the introductory module. So I think maybe I'm trying to treat it like a campaign setting and not mm -hmm. like a levels for dungeon levels one through three kind of thing. So maybe I was the problem all along. That I'm glad we could help you through this, Christy, through this process. Yeah. Yeah. That Everyone who I would talk problem. about this with in my and game. Not the yeah. <laughs> I am the problem. It's not the module. It's all me. But like, <laughs> no, I, I, I do appreciate you guys being a sounding board because like everyone who I would talk to about this game is in this game. So I can't talk to them. The other problem I'm having Yeah, that is, makes it difficult. Yeah, like, I don't want to tip my hand as to, like, what sort of dangers they might find. Like, uh, you know, there's a cave with a certain mythological Greek beast in it, and, like, I don't want to... I don't want to give that away. I want it to be, like, a secret. I don't know, like, how much do you give away, Carl, when you... Like, as to what's in the caves when you run... I uh, my advice is to make that uh, uh, mythological Greek beast a good guy. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Huh. She's, she's in prison. I think the number one uh, thing you can do is is uh, focus on the keep, fill it with NPCs that are kind of there for the same reason, and it will kind of um, guide them in the direction they need to go because there's kind of this uh, kind of shared gold rush of like, well, we can really uh, make our money out there. And, yeah. and, you know, you can increase the treasure because of that, because if they are going out with other um, adventures that might be getting a, a piece of the, <laughs> the loot found, you, might, yeah. you do, you may at that point want to increase some of the treasure found. Well, I think that'll wrap this one up. Not really so much a review, just kind of a discussion on this one. I know we did a review way, way back in the day, uh, but I don't feel like I'm comfortable enough with the module or like experienced enough with it to actually like give it a recommend or not recommend. I, I mean, like. Well, all right, I'm going to I'm going to backtrack on all of that. I would still recommend this module just for the keep and the environs of the keep. Um and like, you know, it's it's a classic. Like, I, I do think the legacy of Keep on the Borderlands is well deserved. I think Carl also probably recommends it because he runs it a lot. Yeah, I mean, to me it's it's what I want from a module. It's just the information of, of what is where. And yeah. uh that's all I want a module to tell me. If a module starts telling me like what's gonna happen in the story. Uh, I lose interest real, real fast because yeah. to me, what happens in the story is what the players do. If the modules deciding that and the players aren't, then we're not playing a role playing game. I'm reading box text, a la novel to the players. And that's just not as fun to me. 
I want to pick Courtney's brain real quick. I, I also like, yes. I know it's getting late where Courtney is. Like, what are some things that, like, when you're playing and keep on the Borderlands, what are some of the things that make you excited to go, like, explore the caves? Like, hmm. what are some hooks that have been particularly uh, effective for you? I, Carlson and where, which I think is the only person I've ever played B2 with, is Carlos the DM, but where we knew certain monsters were in certain caves. Mm -hmm. And that was very interesting. And then the other one that I remembered enjoyed again was the locket one where we were on that kind of quest to help somebody. Um, I honestly didn't realize there were so many caves until I looked at the module because I've never opened it before mm -hmm. um and even if i had the first paragraph says if you're not the dm stop reading which is not good for <laughs> cells i don't know what Gary Gygax was thinking but if you tell people not to read your book it just seems like bad marketing so just looking at the map i didn't realize there were so many like areas so to explore yeah and so many different entrances and um but i guess as far as things that I have enjoyed in the past playing is um, knowing different areas to go to and so then you have to decide as a group you know oh, do we want to go here do we want to go there where do we think the most treasure will be do we go fight kind of a maybe a harder monster and see what happens um, really because I, I, I was saying earlier like I didn't want to tip my hand for like what is where do you think that like knowing the where the encounters would be that did that add to your enjoyment? Like no, just trying like, to figure out another way to fight it. So we knew that was there. We knew yeah. that monster was there. So then did necessarily knowing make it better? I don't remember that, that part. I just remember the enjoyment of figuring out how to defeat the monster when we weren't necessarily strong enough to beat that monster. Hmm. That's really interesting to me because, like, I wanted to like spring stuff on them, but like, I do like your point of of knowing, like, all right, well, we know these this stronger monsters here, and sort of like strategizing around that. I do, I do often um, give people information on some of the caves, and I think there's so much there that you can do that and still have both. You can have the surprise events. And you can have the, um, uh, uh, you know, you know where the orc cave is and you know where the hobgoblin cave is and you know where the goblin cave is. So you have that information like, well, let's go to the goblin cave. That's going to be the easiest. Well, the goblin cave also is where the ogre is. So it, 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 you can have that surprise moment of like, oh, these goblins have an ogre. This is bad news. Uh, and, and still have that information to where they made a, at least a, a somewhat educated, uh, guess at where to go next. And a lot of people, if you give them like, here's the goblin cave, here's the orc cave, here's the hobgoblin cave, they'll go, let's go to the orc cave, middle of the road. Mm -hmm. um, so it just, it provides a start with the promise of more exploration. You know, there is a yeah. bugbear area. There is this cultist temple. There's, you know, gnolls and, you know, there's so much to explore that you can kind of give them the first few as seeds and, and let okay. them go out and, and find the other ones. And it can come from other adventurers or it could be something they heard on the way there 
or, you know, they found a map or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, I guess, necessarily have to all be accurate information mm-hmm. because it could be what they've heard or what they yeah. thought or what they, what it used to be. Well, you know, the last time I was here, this was goblins or, you know, I haven't been out venturing in a while or, and then they get there and it's, I don't know. That, that is something I've done before where I've had a guy in like really shiny armor with a really nice sword and none of it looks like it's ever been used telling all these tall tales of what he's find out. Uh, <laughs> adventuring and all of it's not happened at all <laughs> and he's yeah. just he just got his nice armor and I mean oh, most man, people... I love the idea of the false rumor monger <laughs> yeah he's just talking up like oh yeah I've killed all these bugbears in this cave and uh, obviously uh, most people uh, catch on that this is this is the wrong information but that can help guide them to the right information yeah hmm alright well I think we should cut it there um, oh man, I forgot like the whole format of our show. It's been so long. <laughs> uh, email? Yeah, we can read some emails. We have a couple that have come in. Uh, the first one we have is from Chris Holmes. It says, What a truly sweet episode. Carl is the coolest dad around. I was almost sad I didn't grow up in a basement. Maybe Carl could get a side gig reading bedtime stories for us. My bedtime stories were often Lovecraft and Edgar Rice Burroughs, so I had it pretty good. I will have to look for a copy of Sunny Rolls the Dice, even though the author probably cheated when she rolled up her character. Um, that's a pretty uh, good compliment there. Uh, so that was in response to um, the Sunny Rolls the Dice uh, episode. Uh, so when Jenny Holm uh, mentioned her stats of her character on that episode, yeah, they were a little high, but you know, she was 11. We just kind of <laughs> glazed right past it. Yeah, man. Like, when I first started playing D&D, I thought you you added your whole strength to your attack roll, <laughs> not your modifier. You were very like, successful. Oh, 38. I think that hits. <laughs> I guess I need to get a side gig reading bedtime stories. For yeah. real, yeah. Here I come, OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta cut that out. <laughs> no, you should keep that one in. Oh, man. <laughs> the kids do love it when you read stories to them because you do all the voices. There's been oftentimes I've gotten uh, vetoed. They're like, no, we want Daddy to read. Oh, so, Which I'm okay with because I'm not near as good at the voices. So thanks, Chris Holmes. That was a nice email. I'm glad people like that episode. Like, I thought it was really cool to talk with someone who like, especially to talk with a a a a. a oh, I don't know what the right term is. A woman. <laughs> I mean, I know that's the right term. I don't want to say girl or like lady. What, what is happening? Or, to this or show. female. Okay, it was so nice to talk to a female. <laughs> okay, I don't want that guy. Expound though. What do you mean? <laughs> no, it's like look. He just didn't know that is a dangerous place nowadays. I don't want to like not say the correct terminology. Okay, but I don't I have mean, a lot of people I talk to. Woman or lady, but you still need to expound because you don't just mean talking to a woman. <laughs> no, talking to yeah, yeah. It was very nice to talk to a, a real life woman. Uh, 
I only know two. It's <laughs> Courtney and my wife. So it's <laughs> nice to meet a third. Oh, jeez. <laughs> No, to talk to uh, 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 I I don't want to say female. Like that's the thing I don't want to say. But yeah, that's to fine. talk that's to a, a lady gamer who had like played D anD D, like not apocryphally, apocryph, whatever that word is, like who who played D anD D in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, who was like into that hobby and then to also like write a book about that experience. Like it was cool to see stranger things, but from Eleven's point of view. <laughs> I I also uh am pleased with how well received that episode was. I was a little worried because it was not uh 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 our typical type of episode where we don't uh, yeah. do a lot of children's literature. Uh, on the show, but it was just, it was really, we got a lot of feedback on the episode and it was all very kind. And, uh, a lot of people, um, uh, purchased the book because of the show, which is really cool to hear. Cause I think it's great. Me and Connor were just reading it earlier today. Uh, huh. we were taking turns doing the voices and he was, uh, voicing Gramps. And when he voices Gramps, Gramps is 108 years old. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Hey, Sonny, I'm here from Florida. And I'm like, okay, man. He's not that old, is he? <laughs> In his eyes, I'm sure he is. You know, when you're. Yeah, that's like, fair. All right. Uh, do we want to move on to the next email? We have another email to share with you guys. It is from Buck. I totally love this new host set. You're fantastic. And these topics and guests are so interesting. Episode 140 and Daryl's interview was exciting and enlightening to this DM of 38 years. Please keep up the good work. I too am a dad DM and my kids are now in their 20s and players and DMs themselves. The use of D&D for education is something I've tried to promote since high school. I've listened for years and binge listened when I've fallen behind on listening to your shows. The most recent show with Jennifer Holm was fantastic. Bought the book for my grandkids. Please keep up the OSR discussions. I'll even post a question. My biggest problem as a DM is running one-shots. They almost always spill over to two or more sessions. Any tips on how to homebrew and DM a real one-night one-shot? Keep sodding, Buck. I have... Like, this is my, so I, thank you for the kind words, first of all, and also validating the point that we just made, that people really like the Jennifer Holm episode. Oh, um, I thought you were going to say that we're fantastic. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, we are, but, you know, I didn't want to have a big head about it. I understand. Um, so I run a lot of one-shots, actually. Uh, one-shots are kind of my, like, wheelhouse, actually, which is good and bad. Um... So how I have um, kind of figured out the perfect length of time for a one shot, it really depends on how much time you want to kill, but essentially prepare X amount of hours worth of, of material. Like, so say your night is going to be like, you know, four to six hours prep about four hours of work. And with all of the, like, off-topic joking and, like, people asking questions about, like, a really mundane thing that you didn't think they were going to ask you about, or, like, starting an NPC speech because you can't get the right voice down for them, and you're like, no, that's not right. 
uh, and then starting again and being like, no, that's even worse than the first voice I did. What, <laughs> what is wrong with me? Um, you'll really fill the time. So like, don't prep amount of material. Look at prepping for a block of time. So like for me, that time frame is about four hours. And then, you know, as, as, as you play, you can sort of embellish more. Um, and that's been like, that's been my guiding principle is, is prepping for a block of time rather than like, here's my dungeon that we're going to get through in one night. I feel like when we're playing in one shot and we haven't gotten possibly as far as Carl would expect that we would make it, um, we do wrap up like that last thing. And then a lot of times he just kind of cinematic reveals the ending, um, which is not a letdown. Like I've never, I don't really typically feel as a player that, Oh man, like he just told us the ending. Like it's usually just kind of the tell end after the big fight. Um, and I don't, I guess as a player, I don't know how much he skipped in between to get us there to that end how much he stretched it to get us <laughs> to a time period either. Like I I've never really noticed um, from the player's point of view, but I have noticed at the end, a lot of times there's a wrap up of, okay. And you did this and you did this and you all made it back to the keep and great job. <laughs> kind of, yeah. kind of sometimes. Yeah. I do the same thing. Um, I never like, when I'm prepping, I always think of like, oh, and then they have to fight their way out or they have to navigate the tunnels to get back and they might get lost. And then I go like, well, that's not fun. And like they worked really hard to get this treasure or to get, you know, this like artifact. So I'm just going to say, like, you guys make it back to the keep and then you do this and you do that and maybe have some like role play back and forth. I, I do the same thing. Like, I, I think once they've won they've won and you should sort of like don't try to like don't try to make them earn it more than they already have mm, yeah or needle them or and also like once you've hit the climax everything else is denouement and and uh, uh if you make them play out the procedural nature of the denouement uh then you lose the climax Mm -hmm. um, I really thought you said everything else is a damn wall. <laughs> it's a damn wall. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I was like, gracious. what? Uh, it's it's declining action. Damn wall. Um, no, damn wall, man. Damn wall. That damn wall. Damn wall, man. So essentially, what I would suggest is is D and D by its nature is a serialized uh, thing. And, and you kind of have that idea of, of your D and D campaign being this novel and uh, you're coming back every time and, and getting a little bit more of the novel and it builds up and it builds up and it can be a slow burn. And a one shot can just not be that you can't start a one shot the way you would start a campaign. A one shot is an action movie that is kicking in the doors from the beginning. Like if your if your campaign is gonna be this slow reveal of of like the king is a false king and you have to supplant the king, um, then your one shot has to be you have the rightful king already and it's a baby and the guards are coming for you. It's got to be going. 
right then. And the other thing I would suggest is to have a sliding climax, uh, which does not sound like something I can say on this show. <laughs> really pushing the boundaries on this episode. Oh, Jesus. Let me find a real those listeners back in. Oh, God. Let me try to find a different way to say that. Um, a very central episode. <laughs> okay. Um, no, uh, it has to have a, a, a end that you can place wherever you need it to be. So, if, for example, if there is an ogre that's been causing problems in your one shot, then when you have about 30 minutes left, that's when the ogre shows up or that's when the ogre is discovered or whatever. You have to find a way for the end of your uh, one shot to appear. If you keep that in mind, then you're going to be able to get there uh, when you need to get there. Uh, you know, like um, I've run Keep on the Borderlands as a one shot. And when I run Keep on the Borderlands as a one shot, they're looking for the locket. And when I have about 30 minutes left, that's when they find the locket. <laughs> and that's when uh, they get the more information and they, they save the day and, and that. Uh, uh, usually I attach that with the guy still alive and they find the guy and return the guy, not just the locket. Not all of that. Sometimes the guy's dead. Uh, you, can, you can find ways to kind of pepper in some information in the beginning that can show up at the end. Or you can make it like... Like I said, like you're you're kicking down the door. This is the adventure. You're trying to get the rightful king, uh, uh, who is a baby or a child or whatever, to the people who will keep it safe. And you're on the road, and you're trying to like protect this this child from all these people who are, who are uh, trying to hunt it down. And and then you see the banners of the people that you need to bring the kid to. And then, then you have your climax right there and you're ready to go. And, and, and the, the adventure can end when you want it to end because you know how much time you have left. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be fighting vampires on a boat, the players are already on the boat. And also <clears throat> the first mysterious murder has already happened. Hmm. There's no blood. Like do stuff like that. Also, I feel like, um, uh, I'm, this is a cold read, but this might be the case is uh, you might be prepping too much or thinking that like you have to pack as much gaming into your one shot as possible. And I think it's OK to end like don't be afraid to end a little bit early, you know, like spend some time BSing, uh, you know, bring bring like a quick game like I don't know. Do people still play Munchkin? Like I've played a lot of Munchkin. Sure, sure, some people do. Uh, so much so that I would never like. I've played enough Munchkin to last me a lifetime. But it's because you know our one shot would end early, and then now it's time to play Munchkin or like play <laughs> a board game or uh, 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 a, a Munchkin esque game that exists right now. That's a lot of fun. Is uh, uh, I can't think of the name. Of it. Courtney, what's the name of the game where? It's all the the adventures and the monsters. Connor has it. He loves it. Dungeon something or Dungeon uh, Mayhem. Yeah, Dungeon Mayhem. Dungeon Mayhem's a great uh, filler game for for nights like that. Yeah, just play like a quick game, and then and then you get to have two games on your game night. Yeah. Um. 
Also, uh, uh, Buck, uh, thanks uh, for all of the kind emails. You sent us a few uh, just uh, encouraging us and, and uh, uh, letting us know that you're enjoying the show. Uh, and we're, we're, we're sorry it's, it's been so long since the last episode. Thank you so much for those kind emails. And everybody uh, else that reached out. Yeah, there's somebody who's been messaging us on Facebook Messenger, and I don't have their name off the top of my head, who has been, like, listening through the back catalog and will message us, like, occasionally with either a question or, like, uh, you know, some, like, nice words. Um, so you know who you are. I'm sorry I don't have that up right now. But, <laughs> yeah, thanks, everyone, who, who reached out to us. I, uh, I've had a busy year. I did, like, a lot of adulting this last year, so... All right. Uh, I think that'll be our show for uh, for this week, for this episode, this this thing that we're doing. And uh, oh boy, it's been so long. I I literally don't remember how to end our show. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Great. Why not head over to patreon.com slash WGP and support that show for as little as dollar a month. Dollar a month goes a long way to helping support the network Wild Games Productions. Again, that's patreon.com slash WGP. Thank you. So you like AD&D 2nd Edition but no podcast to listen to? Guess what? We got the cure right here. I got a fever. And the only prescription is the Thaco's Hammer Podcast. You want me to put the hammer down? Join DM's Glenn, Brian, Corey, and Full On Gamer as they discuss, debate, and review the world of second edition AD. Yes. Go here. Give me a gin. Yeah, gin. that's that's DM Corey ordering drinks. Sorry. Sorry. Girlfriend's getting gin. Rules, modules, supplements, clones. Everything 2E is fair game. Someone lied to you, and there's an opposed role, and oh, they won, so you believe the lie. I know, but I don't, because I, the player, know that they lied to me. But Mm -hmm. you, the character, have to act like you take the lie. So listen into a podcast where number two is number one. The Thaco's Hammer Podcast, the best damn second edition ADD podcast ever. You'll find it on iTunes or at thacoshammer.info. Hilda and Leothward are in the home of Yon. They are confronting a bald intruder who was rifling through Yon's things. During this confrontation, the bald intruder decided to attack. He's going to strike at one of you, but I don't really think this counts as a surprise type situation. I mean, he had his sword out. He was looking at you. I, I kind of assume you guys do not have your weapons out, though, I assume. No, but, like, we were, like, ready for him. Okay. He's going to strike at one of you. I'm going to roll a D6 on a 1, 2, or 3. He's going to strike at Hilda. On a 4, 5, or 6, he's going to strike at Leothward, and I rolled a 2. Hilda, he strikes at you with his sword, and pff, he rolls a natural 1. Um, So... <laughs> <laughs> currently uh, currently very unimpressed with this warrior's uh, uh, martial prowess. Uh, he strikes forward and uh, uh, leaves his side open. So um, 
Hilda, your attack on him is going to be with advantage. You're going to roll 2d20 and keep the highest. Uh, and then we'll do a Leothard's attack. And then we'll roll initiative again. Okay. Here you go. Ooh, that was a 2. 20! Alright! <laughs> so, um, are you trying to kill or are you trying to subdue? I'm trying to just knock him out. Okay. Dude, I'm not trying to kill him. Um, roll your damage die twice. So a, a, a D8 twice and add them together for your 20. Ah, I rolled two. One on one. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Um trying to very delicately knock him out. <laughs> that's true. You are you are not trying to be lethal and in that you just lay down here and rest. Um now you have a strength of fifteen, so that's gonna be a total of three damage uh on this uh gentleman. I mean that's enough to like stub his toe, right? Yeah. Alright, uh and then uh, uh Leothard, you get around. I'd like to see if I can like pin him to the ground. Um, w- so the way I'm gonna do that, and this is just the way I handle all of that type of uh, grappling and subduing and all that, is that's all just regular damage. But you still have to get through someone's hit points to subdue them. So okay. any any type of attack you do at any point, even if somebody else is attacking to kill. If you do the final hit points to the target, at that point you can say, I grab him, I subdue him, I knock him out, whatever. Um, But you still have to go through the hit points. The hit points are still an issue for any of those. All right, so is it just a regular attack roll? Yeah, so you'll just make a regular attack roll. You'll do damage. They'll go to his hit points. There's not two separate pools of hit points. Hit points are hit points. It's just if you are the person to do the final amount of hit points to him, at that point you can subdue, pin, knock out, whatever, kill, whatever. Uh, I rolled the nine altogether to hit, so I'm pretty sure I don't. You do not. That's it for me. Okay. Now we'll roll initiative, um, and then, uh, Crispy, why don't you roll initiative on right. for your team, and I'll roll initiative for him. I rolled a five. I rolled a one. All right. Um, Hilda, since you hit him, he's going to take a swing at you. That does not hit you. That would hit an armor class of eight. Um, your armor class is one. Holy moly. Yeah, he's not going to hit you. <laughs> All right. Uh, and so now, Leothward, it is your strike. I'm going to try again to pin him to the ground. Yeah. And he's he's trying to push past you, but it's such a narrow quarter that it's really going to be hard for him to escape. And he doesn't even realize that there's three other people outside waiting on him. <laughs> All right. Roll to hit. Uh, I rolled a two altogether, so... Yeah, that's not going to do it. All right, not a two altogether. I rolled a three altogether. I rolled a two on the die. Okay. All right. He's still trying to push past you, not quite making it. And, uh, Courtney, go well, go ahead and take your action. All right. I'm going to try and hit him. I rolled a six. That doesn't do it. Does not do it. Courtney, go ahead and roll initiative for me. I got a four. Three. He's going to keep pushing past you. Um, I'm going to roll one, two, or three. on. Uh, he attacks Leothward. And four, five, or six, he attacks Hilda. Uh, Leothward, he's taking a strike at you. I rolled a okay. um, 14. Um, with his modifiers, 
Uh, that's going to hit an armor class of four. What is your armor yep. class? My armor class is four. Okay. So he strikes at you with this sword in his hand, and it uh, catches you in your shoulder, and he does five points of damage. Oof. That's pretty big hit for you, right? Yeah, I have one hit point left. Okay. So he strikes you in your shoulder. His sword stabs you, and uh, he's going to try to break through. But before that, um, you're both going to be able to get a strike on him. If you would like, if you would like to fall back, that's also an option for you, Crispy. Whose turn is it? It's going to be yours and then Crispy's. Can I call for backup? Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, we need backup. All right. Uh, they start shoveling into the room, and you can go ahead and attack. I rolled a 10. A 10 does not hit. Leothward, what are you doing? Can I do, uh, can I attack and withdraw? Not and be safe. Okay. So, like, he could still definitely get attack on you. If you try to engage and then withdraw, you may be able to get a little bit away, but not, you wouldn't be able to get so far away that you'd be sure that he wouldn't be able to strike you again. Okay. Then I will just withdraw. I'm like trying to do the option of you know not giving him a bonus to hit me. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm fine with a fighting withdrawal where you don't get attacked. Yeah. Um, you withdraw. Uh, as you fall back, Brother Bowen is going to see your wound and heal you as soon as he gets in action. And so now we're going to roll initiative again. And this time, Leothward, it's your roll. And I rolled a six. I rolled a two. All right. So he's going to attack Hilda. And you're the only one directly engaging with him at the moment. Uh, and he's not going to get you. Roll it a seven. Um, so he misses. And then um, Cooper comes up beside you, Hilda. And so he fills in that gap. And Brother Bowen is going to heal Leothward. Mm-hmm. And you get five hit points back. Nice. Which is what you were down, right? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> easy come, easy go. Uh, 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 you're healed. Uh, so Brother Brayden says some prayers to whatever god, he, Ringo, that was it. He says, uh, I like to be under the sea. And he uh, heals you. And um, uh, it's going to be uh, Leothwart's turn and then Hilda's turn. All right. I'm going to throw a dagger at him. Sure. Roll a d20. Am I still in close like close enough range that I get the uh, bonus. The dagger throwing bonus? Yeah. It's like- uh, yeah. I, I, I've never played with those, so I don't really even know, but sure. Sure, you can get a plus right. one to your attack roll. Uh, I don't really care. Now, you cannot subdue him with a thrown dagger. If this takes no. him out, he's dead. <laughs> okay. I, uh, <laughs> I uh, got a modified 20. Well, that is a definite hit. So give me a D4. I hit AC0. Um, four. One damage. All right. He's still with us. Uh, and Hilda, go ahead and take your turn. All right. Dang, I rolled a three. Goodness gracious. All right, everybody, send in your, your uh, dice recommendations because mine are off. Uh, so now we get an initiative roll again. Uh, Courtney, this is going to be your initiative roll. Uh, and uh, uh, you and Cooper will get to attack this turn. I rolled a one. All right. You have initiative. Courtney, your attack first, and then Leothward, and then we'll do Cooper. 
14. They heard me talking about getting rid of him. <laughs> uh, a 14 will hit him. Okay. Four damage. Four damage. He is still among the living. Uh, Leothward, what are you wanting to do with this? Uh, I'm going to throw a second dagger at him. All right. This might be it for old Baldy. <laughs> it's not. I rolled a natural one. Uh, that's unfortunate. You're throwing into melee combat. Obviously, the thing that's going to happen here is your dagger's going to hit either Hilda or Cooper. Um, so I'm going to roll a one, two, or three for Hilda and a four, five, or six for Cooper. And it's Cooper. Cooper gets the dagger uh, on your natural run. Roll a d4. Four? <laughs> Jeez Louise. All right. Holy moly. Cooper takes four damage. He goes, ah, and gives you a dirty look. Um, I just sort of shrug and give him like a sheepish smile. Yeah, and I'm going to say he's not taking his attack this round because of that. Uh, and now uh, Baldy. Baldy's, I mean, he's freaking out. He does not think he's going to make it, and he has no other way out. You're blocking the door. I don't know that he has any other recourse. I'm going to roll a morale roll for Baldy here. And see if he fights on trying to get past you or tries to tries to surrender. Uh, so I don't have a morale rating for him. So I'm just going to make something up and roll some dice. And he's rolling terrible. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 he drops his sword and raises his hand and, and begs for you not to not to kill him. I don't know that he can do that. Jeez Louise. Can he do that? Yeah, I'd say he can do that. Why can't he do that? Yeah, I know. That's a weird thing to say, huh? Does <laughs> he mm. not have arms? You know, he has arms. <laughs> I just, I, um, but yeah, no, I, I think he can. Uh, he, he, he throws in a sword and, uh, 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 raises his hand and says, please, please stop. I, 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 I surrender. I surrender. Mercy. And that's uh, where we'll end today. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Save or Die. The Save or Die podcast is a production of Wild Games Production, and it's produced for entertainment purposes only. The music used in the intro and outro is by Tripod and used with permission. Be sure to visit the Save or Die crew at saveordie.info for more information. If you'd like to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash WGP. Nothing